Good morning. Good to see you today. Welcome home. We are glad that you are here today. As you saw there, we are in a, a series called Habits. Uh, they are leading you and I somewhere. And this morning, we are asking the question, basically this morning and every week of this series, where are your habits leading you? Say that with me. Where are your habits leading you? It's a question that I don't always like to answer, and probably you don't like to answer, but it's an important question. Our habits matter. We've been saying that uh, they happen in two ways. Habits happen in two major ways. The first way is naturally. No one has to teach you to get your phone out while you're sitting in the doctor's office waiting on the doctor to come in or the nurse to come out and say, uh, you can go back. You just develop this habit over time of looking on your phone when you don't have anything to do or when you're watching TV. That's a habit that forms naturally. And then there's habits that happen intentionally, like teaching your children to pick up after themselves or to brush their teeth. It's a habit you don't want to necessarily develop when you're the child, but over time, as your parents intentionally form that in you, hopefully no one has to tell you as an adult to brush your teeth. You just automatically know that because that habit was formed intentionally. Habits happen naturally. Habits happen intentionally. But either way, the habits you have today will become the legacy that you and I leave tomorrow. Say it with me. The habits you have today will become the legacy. So I was, when I was born, my grandparents were in their 50s. And I don't really, I don't have any knowledge of them when they were my age or younger because obviously I wasn't around. So when I got old enough to see their habits, it had already kind of been a legacy. And I had asked them one time when I was a teenager, I said, you guys still have a spark and you're like, you know, old. And they're in there making dinner. We were over there on a Sunday. And I said, well, you know, how do you, what's your secret? And they both kind of looked at each other with this little smirk. And they said, Saturday. I'm like, oh, really? What's Saturday? And they said, that's fried chicken day. I said, what? Yeah, your grandpa gets on his Argyle suit. He still had it from the 70s. (laughs) And I, you know, spray, hairspray on my beehive. And we go over to Pickler's. I said, do you ever go anywhere else? Not usually. We go over to Pickler's and we eat chicken. Then you got to wash down the grease with a little cream. We go get some ice cream. And then we come home. I said, what else you do? That's it. But Grandpa's doing the mashed potatoes and he kind of stops and he looks at me and he says, but we do it every Saturday. I said, what in the world does that habit have to do with your happy marriage? Everything, Kyle. Everything. Got to thinking about that as we're talking about what we're going to be talking about today when we ask this question, where are your habits leading you? It's almost like they were saying that their, check this out, that that habit is what protected their hearts. That makes sense? They guarded that habit, and it protected their hearts towards each other. 
the habit of going and eating fried chicken and spending time together, whether you've had a good week or a bad week. In fact, they, they said, you know, some weeks we just look at each other and eat chicken. And other times, you know, we'd have something to talk about. Well, your grandma would have a lot to talk about. I'd just sit there. I'd say, mm-hmm, sure sounds interesting. But that habit over time is what kept their hearts tender towards each other. I share that with you today because what we're talking about when we're talking about habits is that there's a church in Corinth that had this spark with God, that had started with God, that had been changed by God. But over time, because they didn't guard the habits that led them to the place that they were at with God, they started to leave their heart unguarded and they started to fall away and the relationship with God started to strain. And it's not just the Corinthian church that that happens to, it's all of us if we're not careful. We, we love God, and, and, and many of us in here at least are curious about God probably, or, or our parents drug us here. Maybe we're, we're in that category. But for the most part, most of us believe in a God, and we're at least curious about what this is all about. And, and, and others of us would at least say we like God or we're a fan of God, or maybe more of us would say we're in love with God. Wherever we find ourselves today, it's important information for all of us to know that if we don't keep the habits and guard the habits of spending time with God and, and praying to God and coming together to worship God, if we, if, we, if we just allow life to happen to us, that spark can leave. And that's what had happened to Corinth. And talking with different couples, and not just married couples, and talking to relationships with, with an adult parent and an adult child, and just listening to people, you've heard them say, you know, I don't know what happened. We used to get along. We used to be close. I used to tell my dad everything. I used to tell my mom everything. My, my husband or my wife used to be my best friend. What happened? Where did the spark go? And I would say, well, you know, tell me about when you go out to eat together. What in the world does going out to eat together have to do with the fact that we're miles apart? Everything. What in the world does spending time with God have to do with the fact of me questioning whether God is, a lo- is real or not? Everything. And this church in Corinth, they had a habit of not guarding their hearts intentionally. And they started to return to their old habits naturally. The church of Corinth wasn't guarding their hearts and their minds intentionally. They weren't going to get chicken with God, figuratively, not literally, every week or every day. They weren't weren't remembering what was keeping their relationship with God close. They started to to allow their jobs and the things that were going on in their lives and the city, the, the Corinthian city was a city of about 600,000 people and they were wealthy and they, they stopped spending time with God and they started meeting for coffee with people and, and started realizing they could make more money because this city was wealthy. And just over time, things to happen and the spark left. It was almost like they returned to who they were before they encountered Jesus. And that was Paul's issue with them. They had lost their zeal. They had lost their spark. They had lost the thing that made it fun. The thing that made it work. 
Can you relate to that? Every bit of margin in their schedule was used for their jobs and used for their kids and used for ball games and used for everything. There was just no margin for God. And the zeal was gone. I want to talk to you today about guarding your habits because your habits are intimately connected to your heart. Saturday is what, they didn't say it this way, but Saturday is what kept them close to each other. Because Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, there was life happening. But Saturday, that was the day that the children come second. That was the day that whatever else is going on in the world comes second because we are going to spend time together. It's not about the chicken. It's about this time together. I want us to to realize today that your habit of time with God or lack of time with God intimately impacts your heart. So if our habits impact our heart, then we need to guard our habits. Corinth had some new habits. They'd asked Jesus into their heart, but they didn't guard it. We have a goal of sending of $32,000 to send a bunch of kids to camp, and we've done it every year. And these kids go to camp, and they, I've seen, I can see it in my eye, the, the tears dripping down on the altar. God's speaking to them because they're out of their element and they're, they're, they're just zoned in on what God wants them to do. But the one thing when they come home and all of a sudden you start to see their old self come back is because they had this experience with God, but then they go home and they don't guard the experience and the habits that they developed while they were there. We're at, we ask them to get up every morning and read God's words. I promise this is going somewhere. We ask them every morning to spend time with God and to journal and to read. And whether they like it or not, for six or five or six days, they're doing this every day. And then in the evening time, when, when they've been doing this and praying with God, then God speaks to them in the service and their heart is tender and they're willing to hear. And they hear God speak and they go home and they don't guard those habits of spending time with God and praying and doing Saturday with God. And it doesn't take long and their hearts go back to the way they were. They didn't guard the habits. You see, when you aren't intentional with what's beneficial, you return to what used to be natural. When you aren't intentional with what's beneficial, what's beneficial? Spending time with God. The romance. You return to what's natural. What's natural? I'm tired. I'm stressed. I don't really have the time to go spend time with you, God. I don't really have the time to go out to eat with you. I just want to crash. That's what's natural. I don't really want to go work out. I don't really want to run. I don't really want to read. I don't really want to grow. I don't really want to do these things. That's what's natural. But it's not beneficial. 
And that's why none of us can feel great about this, because we all fail at this. And Paul was telling Corinth, stuff I read, they were a church of about 40 to 150 in a community of 600,000. And he was telling the church, if you aren't intentional about what's beneficial, not only will you return to what's natural, but nobody else is going to change. So be intentional with what is beneficial. So it will become more natural. So let me just break the ice, okay? Let me tell you where I got this right, and I got this wrong in two days. Two days ago, Luke said, hey, Dad, can we take Tar, which means star, our dog, can we take Tar for a walk? It was beautiful out, and I'm off on Fridays. I said, yeah. So we took Star over to the pond there on the other side of the high school, and, you know, we walked around, and we talked and had a good time, and we came home. But then yesterday, he said, hey, Dad, can we go fishing? And what was natural is, I'm tired. I said, we will, maybe later. Later never happened. I said no to the intentional. And I said yes to the natural. So I missed that moment. The church in Corinth had allowed the wealth and the things going on around them to come in and make them vulnerable to their habits. They had let their hearts become unguarded. Solomon, he says it this way, Solomon was the wisest man that ever lived, the Bible tells us. Guard your heart above what? All else. Everybody say all. 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 Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. There are certain things that we prioritize over other things because of the amount of importance that goes along with them. You have to pay your bills. Well, I don't want to. Okay, well, then your water's going to shut off and your electricity's going to shut off, and they're going to eventually come take your house if you don't pay your more. I mean, there's, there's certain things you do because you have to. And Solomon says, guard your heart because everything is riding on it. Guard your heart above all all else for it determines the course of your life. My grandparents were saying, guard Saturday because it is helping our marriage. Not guarding Saturday will impact our marriage. So guard it. So this morning, I I share all that with you, and I share this story about Corinth because we're much like Corinth. We have all these things in our life, even some good things like marriage and like family and jobs and, and friendships and hobbies and adventure and things that we like to do that are important to us. But just like Corinth, we can allow those things to almost take over our habits and our time with God. 
And we have to understand that leads us somewhere. So there's three things that we need to do in order to protect our heart and protect our habits. And the first thing is to remember whose you are. Say with me, remember whose you are. Paul starts his letter out to Corinth. He says, I am writing to God's church in Corinth. He doesn't say, I am writing to the Kiwanis Club in Corinth. I'm writing to the Rotary Club in Corinth. I'm writing to the American Legion in Corinth. It doesn't say that. It says, I'm writing to, let's read the next two words. I'm writing to believers. I'm not writing to a bunch of people who don't agree with this. I'm writing to believers. I'm writing to followers. I'm writing to people who would say, I believe that Jesus died and and was resurrected from the dead. And Paul says to them, remember, you're, you're God's church. To who have been called by God to be his own holy people. You have been called by God to be his own holy people. And you've forgotten. I was talking to a couple one time that was arguing. And I just got, I'm random anyway. And I just said, hey, while they're arguing with each other, I said, hey, tell me what you liked about him. Why did you like him in the first place? She almost switched gears and said, because he was hot and he was funny. And immediately, you know, her face got kind of school girlish and it wasn't long and she went back to being upset i asked him the same thing and he went to that kind of smitten place and it wasn't long he went back to where he was i said do you realize that when i started talking about the reason that you guys got married in the first place some of that feeling for just a second came back but because you didn't guard stuff All this other stuff gets packed on top of it. And it's not that the nerves aren't there. They're just pinched off by all this stuff. And it's the same with our relationship with God. So Paul tells Corinth, be faithful to God. Be faithful to Saturday. Be faithful to your time with God. I've started this new habit. I drive a school bus, and I'm supposed to be at the bus barn by 6.15 in the morning. So I've made a commitment to be at the bus barn around 5.30 in the morning so that I can spend some time in the truck reading God's Word, praying, talking, and listening. I've even got my purpose out for why I'm doing this. And the first day that I implemented it, it was all I could do to get out of bed because I just, I'm like, but I made myself do it. And it made an impact on the rest of my day. But it wouldn't take long for a day or two later that impact to be gone. It's 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 all the time. Remember whose you are. Remember your first love. And then Paul says to remember who you are. Remember who you are? Have you ever talked to your child before and they do something that's out of character? I told my family this. We don't 
make a scene. Okay? You are, you are not going to make a scene. You are not going to scream. Noah, you are not going to scream in a restaurant. You shouldn't be screaming at all, but you're definitely not going to be. You know, I didn't raise you like that. Paul says to them, remember who you are? Do you not know that you are a temple of God? And that the Spirit of God dwells in you. And if a man destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, and that is what you are. You're the temple. That's why you can bring coffee and donuts into the sanctuary. This is not the sanctuary. It's the place we meet. The sanctuary is here. You are the temple of God. When Jesus died and was resurrected, the temple moved from a place to a people. You are the sanctuary. Well, I would never say those words in the, in the, in the sanctuary. It's not a place. You take it everywhere you go. You are the temple. So Paul is essentially saying to them and to us today, keep your house clean. And then he, he reminds them to remember whose you are and who you are. And then he says, to remember who you are, whom, to whom you are sent. Your habits will be adopted by your children. Don't do what I do. Do what I say. That doesn't work. Paul says in the second letter that he writes them, we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making His appeal through us. How does God make His appeal? Through us. God is making His appeal through the church. He's telling the church in Corinth, the 600,000 people that are in this city, I'm making my appeal to them through the 40 to 150 of you. I'm making my appeal through you. And you've been more focused on sex appeal than you have Christ appeal. That's essentially what he's saying. So he's saying, guard your Christ appeal. You're more focused on the things that, that don't matter. He's telling Corinth, you're more focused on on whatever comes to your mind and whatever comes to your heart rather than guarding your Christ appeal. And Corinth, you're not, you're not effective. You've lost the thing that would attract people to me. So guard your heart. Above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Be intentional with what's beneficial, so it will become more natural. And remember, when you aren't intentional with what's beneficial, you return to what used to be 
natural. So the question today is, are we intentional with what's beneficial? Awkward silence. Think about that question. Let's just close our eyes. Just ask you this question. Don't answer it out loud. Just, are you intentional about your Saturday with God, your time with God? Are you intentional every day? I'm not trying to make you feel good or feel bad. I'm just asking the question. Are you intentional with what's beneficial? I just want to share with you just a minute. I went to this leadership deal a while back and I have to confess to you that I was going through a season and you can judge me if you want. I don't know how to be anything but real. I'm just going to be honest with you. Just going through a season of feeling spiritually dry. You ever felt spiritually dry? And in my head, I've grown up around the church a long time, so I know I know what you need to hear. I can tell you, whether I'm feeling it or not, I know what you need to hear. I can tell you. You know, I'll be transformed. But I can tell you all the things I need to, but that doesn't mean I'm filled up. Does that make sense? And I was at this conference, and it was, a, it was actually a cohort of, you, weren't, you were not invited to this unless your church was growing. So everybody around the table had seen results, but a lot of them were spiritually dry. There wasn't anything that they said that I didn't already know, except for when they get to this question where they said, are you spending intentional time with God every day? The answer was no. I was around it. But I wasn't intentionally, and sometimes it would happen naturally, but I wasn't intentionally protecting that time. And I got to thinking about it, the, the times where I didn't respond the way I was supposed to, or the times where I didn't have enough patience, or the times where I wish I would have done something different. I looked back and I was running on empty. And I want to tell you today, besides me, if you're spiritually dry today, that doesn't just happen. And if you're full today, if your cup is full of God, that doesn't just happen. It's intentional. It's intentional. And when you're not intentional, what happens is what comes natural. So this morning, I want to encourage you, if you don't have a time where you're spending with God every day and developing the romance with God and talking to Him, I remember talking to a couple one time and said, well, if we go out, what are we supposed to talk about? We don't even know what to talk about. It would be awkward. Well, embrace awkward. Just keep doing, just keep going, just keep spending time. And it'll get easier. Jesus was reminding Corinth 
that there's more power available because of what Jesus did. Jesus died and was raised to life so that we could have a romance with God, so that we could live in relationship with Him, so that we could be filled with His power and with His presence. We have to intentionally desire that. He was also explaining that to the disciples on the night that Jesus was betrayed and He explained to them that He was going to be arrested and He was going to be but it was basically going to have to die for their sins. And he writes the same thing to Corinth. And he tells them, and Paul reminds the church that on the night when he was betrayed, when Jesus was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. And he broke it into pieces and he said, this is my body which is given for you. Jesus says, do this to remember me, which is the implication that they're going to forget. Do this to remember. Do this to remember. Take this drink and and, and take this bread, this, this bread to remember. What gives you power? To remember what makes the difference in your life. To remember what, what keeps you from the wrong habits. And then after supper, he took the cup and he explains to him, it's the new covenant between God and his people. And he says, every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. This morning, we have the opportunity to take communion and to remember today. To remember what he's done for us. To remember what What sparked all this change in the first place? It was Jesus. So this morning as as we stand together, I just want to ask you a question. Feel free to stand. With every head bowed and every eye closed, is there any in here, don't raise your hand, but is there any in here that would say, You haven't guarded your time with God. You haven't guarded your relationship with God. If that's the case today, you can't think of a better time than to return to the Lord and to put Him first than in communion. So this morning, if you need to just confess and repent today, you can simply pray this if you don't know what to pray. Lord Jesus... I haven't guarded my habits. Father, it's left me in a place that's dry. And Lord, today, I I just return to putting you first in my life and in my heart. Father, I... I'm going to be intentional about spending time with you and come up with a plan. I'm going to guard my habits to guard my heart. With every head bowed and every eye closed. If you prayed that prayer or something like that, would you just slip your hand up real quick? Amen. Amen. His body was broken. His blood was shed for you and for me. We enter a time of worship. If you'd like to come and take communion, we'd invite you to do so.
Jesus, we just thank you today for who you are. Thank you, Father, that your stripes heal us. The word tells us, Lord, that by your stripes we are healed. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you, Lord, that you became our sacrifice. Lord, thanks for the reminder today that we have a part in the relationship. We have to intentionally spend time with you. We have to intentionally guard our heart because it determines the course of our life. Father, thank you for the reminder today that when we don't guard our heart, we become vulnerable, Lord, to falling away from our true love. So, Lord, today, may we make a plan and make a commitment that goes beyond the natural into the intentional of spending time with you so that our hearts can stay tender to what you have for us each day. Thank you, Lord. Because of what you did, we can develop and keep the habit of spending time with you. We thank you and we love you in Jesus' name. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Have a great day.